0: You are listening to a sermon from MCA Church. To learn more about our community, head online to mcachurch.ca. Thanks. Did I mention Christmas is less than a week away? Are you ready? Over the past three weeks, we've been making ready for Christmas, right? We've been looking at some of the people in Luke chapter 1 because we want to prepare our hearts. We we don't want Christmas to come and go, and we've missed the point completely. And so we've been preparing our hearts to receive Jesus afresh and anew through the stories of people like Zechariah and Elizabeth and and Mary. And last week, Carmen led us through Mary's song in a, a beautiful way. That, that included music and picture, and, and it drew us into the Word to encounter the living Word, who is Jesus. And today, I want to turn your attention uh, to a different song. We, we looked at Mary's song last week. Uh, this morning, I want to look at Zechariah's song, because it's the song that comes next in Luke chapter 1. It's the song he sings shortly after His son, John, who was John the Baptist, was born. So will you turn with me to Luke chapter 1? And I'm going to read, starting in verse uh, 67, and I'll read all the way to verse 79. So turn with me to Luke 1, starting in verse 67. An angel had uh, had promised Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth a son. And the son was born, and shortly thereafter, Zechariah sang the song. John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through the holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the path of peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, this morning I set out to tell the story that has been told over and over and over and over again. (laughs) Yet, Jesus, your word that was from the beginning, is now, and forever will be, is the powerful word of God. And so though maybe our ears have heard these words before, we pray that our hearts would know them afresh. let every every heart prepare room for you today. And at the end of the preaching of the word, Lord Jesus, may we receive you. May your spirit fill our lungs afresh so that we are ready for Christmas. So Jesus, do what only you can do. Through the preaching of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let, let me begin with uh, reorienting you in a way to Zechariah's story. Uh, this is the context into which he sings this, this song. Now, you might remember from a few weeks ago, uh, Zechariah, along with his wife Elizabeth, they were these God-loving people. Uh, Zechariah was, was a priest, and, and, and Elizabeth came from a long line of people who, who worked uh, amongst the people of God as, as priests. But Zechariah and Elizabeth, they lived with this deep heartache despite their faithfulness to the Lord. And one of the reasons for their heartache was because they couldn't have any children. But one day an angel came to Zechariah and promised him a son, someone who would come to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. Now, the Messiah was the person that God had promised to send into the world to sort out people's mess. The mess that we all find ourselves in from time to time. The mess of sin and the mess of our own powerlessness against these, these forces that oppose God and His goodness. And so the angel promises that, that, that Zechariah and Elizabeth will have a, a, a son, and that Elizabeth, in her old age, she'll, she'll give birth to this child. And Zechariah, in hearing this, this kind of message from the angel, he responds like I would have in the moment, and I suspect you would have been the same. He kind of says, Are you sure? Luke 1:18, the angel says this, or or, or Zechariah says this to the angel. He says, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Like, like, is this really gonna happen? Zechariah wanted some assurance of the promise, as each and every one of us would have wanted as well. And in a way, in that moment, God did give Zechariah a tangible sign that he would make good on his promise to give him a child. And you know what the sign was? He closed his lips, he stilled his tongue. God mutes Zechariah's mouth, making him unable to speak until the promised child was born. I mean, imagine that. Zechariah, the husband of Elizabeth, not able to speak for nine months. Some of you ladies out there are saying, well, that would be glorious, (laughs) wouldn't it? I... I'm getting an amen from my wife up there. Yeah, she's giving me the old. And I wonder what God was growing in Zechariah during those months of silence. Can you imagine? Not being able to speak. He was a priest. He probably just liked to stand on a platform and speak to people all the time. Getting him to stop speaking was maybe the challenge, But I wonder what God was growing in Zechariah during the months of silence. Was it frustration? Or was it hope? Or joy? Sometimes God does his best work in us without any words. And I wonder what God was growing in Zechariah in those months of silence. Lots of ways we're told with his song. After his baby is born, after John is born, on the eighth day, they, they take him to, to, for the ceremonial circumcision. And it was customary for the father to name the baby on this particular day, but, but John couldn't speak. And so Elizabeth explains that the son's name is going to be John. And this surprises everybody in the room because typically you name, especially your firstborn son, you you name them after someone in the family, and there's no one within their family that goes by the name of John. And so everyone in the room, they look to Zechariah and say, what should we do? And, And he writes out on a tablet, his name is to be John. And we'll see a little later that the name is important. But it's at that moment when Zechariah names his son John, which is what the angel asked him to do, at that moment, Zechariah's tongue was loosed, and he began to speak. More accurately, he began to sing a song of praise to the Lord. He prophesied. Now, I wonder, what would you have sung about if you were in Zechariah's shoes? after years of praying for a child, then a miraculous visitation from God's messenger, followed by months of silence as you watch this miracle child expanding in the belly of your beloved. What would you have sung about in the glorious moment that your tongue was set free to finally speak? See, it's interesting that Zechariah's song, it doesn't begin with the arrival of his son. To be sure, Zechariah was ecstatic to have a child, and he does sing about his son eventually in the song, but Zechariah has something even more important on his mind, and it's the one that he sees coming after his son. In the one who comes after his son, Zechariah sees something. He sees the arrival of God. Look at the first line. The first line captures the primary focus of Zechariah's song. Verse 68. It says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. Do you hear Zechariah's reason to sing? Another translation renders the first line of the song this way. It says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, For he has visited us. He's come to us. Zechariah sings because he recognizes that God is doing something important. He's doing something big. That God is drawing near. He's coming close. He's entering into humanity's mess in order to sort it out once and for all. And we know that Zechariah didn't see the whole story yet. He didn't see the whole picture, but he was tuned into God enough to know that God was coming to his people. And in the months ahead, that reality would would reach its pinnacle in the coming of Jesus. God incarnate. The Word become flesh. God was coming to his people. Now, for me, the incarnation... The fact that that a holy God would come to us in in, in, in human flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ, this is one of the greatest demonstrations of love the world will ever see. I mean, think about this for a minute. True love shows up, doesn't it? When we're at our lowest point in life, when we really need something, it's the people who truly love us that show up. Love isn't so much a feeling as it is an action. Right? Love love does something. It, It acts. And that's what God's love was doing with the advent of Jesus. Zechariah saw it all unfolding before his very eyes. God's love was taking action. It was taking form. Picture this scenario. A father tells his daughter... I love you, sweetheart. And the daughter replies, I know you love me, Dad. (laughs) But how does she know he really loves her? How does she know? It's not simply because he says it. It's because he's shown her. She knows he loves her because she's seen his love in action. Love takes a form. It it takes the form of, of bedtime stories and cuddles. It takes the form of miles and miles of driving to, to dance practices, the limitless words of affirmation and blessing. Love takes action. It takes form. I saw a video uh, once where there were these bunch of kids and they were asked, what does love look like? What does love look like? You ask a kid that, it's interesting, you can maybe try it. <laughs> One girl said, love looks like hugs and bubbles. Another boy said, it looks like a burger and fries. I think that was my son. One kid said, love looks like a can of Sprite because it makes me feel all tingly. Another said, love looks like a lollipop with a scorpion in it. Ooh, think about that one. That kid's going to need some therapy he grows up. What does love look like? Well, love takes a form. It takes action, and it shows up. It's what was happening that first Christmas. At Christmas, we're reminded that God's love has taken form. It it, it has put on flesh and entered into our lives. Love is a God who enters into our brokenness with the power to heal. Love is a God who draws near to us even while we are sinners in order to forgive. Love is a God who brings the light of life into darkness and death. Though he doesn't see the whole picture of Jesus yet, Zechariah sings because God has not left humanity to languish under the weight of sin and death, but he has come close close enough to rescue us. And as you make ready for Christmas, maybe this is something that you need to hear, not simply with your ears, but with your heart. God has not left you to languish in the mess and brokenness of life. God's love is put on flesh to draw near to you, to redeem you, and to reconcile you to a God who loves you. And so God enters into our world, and and he does this first and foremost because he loves us. But there are two other motivations for God's visitation, according to Zechariah and his song. They both appear in his song, two other reasons why God has come to us. First, because of his faithfulness, and second, because of his mercy. First, his faithfulness, we see it in the song. Look at verses 69 to 70. We're told, God has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Zechariah is saying here that, that God promised to do something long ago about our human mess, and now the promise is being fulfilled. God is faithful. And then in verse. 72, we're told God will remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. In coming to us, God is being faithful to his promise. God does what God said he would do, and this is why Zechariah sings. God comes to us in the person of Jesus not simply because he loves us, though that would be enough He comes to us because he's promised that he would do something to remedy our brokenness. He comes because he has remembered his promise. Do you know what the name Zechariah means in English? It means God has remembered. God has remembered us. God has remembered us. The reason God comes close, it's written into Zechariah's name. God has remembered. He's remembered his promise, his promise not to leave us languishing in sin and darkness and brokenness, but to guide our feet into the path of peace, as it says in verse 79. Church, as you make ready for Christmas, perhaps this is what you need to hear, not simply with your ears, but with your heart. God has remembered his promise to you. You are not out of his mind. All of your prayers have not fallen on deaf ears. You've not been left on your own to figure out all of the hardships of life. God does not leave his beloved in darkness and despair. He's come close in the person of Jesus. And he draws near to you even now through his Holy Spirit. He is faithful to his promise. The God who was and is and is to come is faithful throughout all eternity. Jesus comes because of God's faithfulness. The second thing that's undergirding God's visitation to the world is His mercy. His mercy. Zechariah mentions it twice in his song. Look, he says, God has visited us to show mercy to our ancestors, in verse 72, and because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, verse 79. God comes to us in the person of Jesus. Because he is full of mercy. He sympathizes and empathizes with our human struggles. He feels our hurts and longings and fears. He's felt them. He's merciful. A few weeks back, I don't know if you remember, Troy McKnight was here from Kelowna's Gospel Mission. And he shared this definition of mercy from New Testament scholar William Barclay. And Barclay says, mercy is the ability to get right inside another person's skin until we can see things with their eyes, think things with their mind, and feel things with their feelings. And the point is, mercy isn't a a feeling of, of pity towards someone who is less fortunate. That's not what mercy is. Mercy is entering into a person's need. And then it's taking action. Mercy sees, then mercy acts. And Zechariah sings because in the coming of God, he sees God's mercy. God sees our human need, but he doesn't simply see, he takes action. In the person of Jesus, God gets right inside humanity's skin, and Jesus sees things with human eyes and thinks things with human mind and, and feels things with human feelings. Jesus took on flesh, and in so doing, he knows suffering and hunger and heartache. He knows it all. Jesus knows what it's like to struggle against sin. He knows what it's like to lose someone he loves. He knows what it feels like to be betrayed by a friend or hurt by religious people or religious institutions. Jesus knows temptation and trial and torture and trauma alike. God has felt the hurts and longings and fears that we have encountered in life. And having seen life from our side of the equation, he takes action. And He brings Heaven's remedy to all that ails us. For on the Easter cross, Jesus, the child from the Christmas manger, He took the full weight of our sin and the world's brokenness upon Himself in order to break its curse. He took action to release us from the debt of sin that we owe to a holy God And to make way for a life restored, a world restored to his good and beautiful design. Jesus is the mercy that we all need. God has seen our need and he has acted to remedy it. It's why Jesus came. And this is why Zechariah sings. It's also why his son is to be named John. Do you know what the name John or Johan means in English? It means God has shown mercy. God has shown mercy. The reason God comes close is written into his name. God has shown mercy. Church, as you make ready for Christmas this year, perhaps You need to take a moment to consider where you need God's mercy in your life. What do you need Him to see in order to take action? Where do you need His mercy? What are the hurts and the longings and the fears that you want Him to see? Where is your life being choked out by sin? What are the things that you need Him to remedy? God has come to us because we need mercy. And so in in Zechariah's song, this is what we see. In Jesus, the Messiah, God's love is coming into our world. And the reason he is coming is written into the names, Zechariah and John. Zechariah, God has remembered Jesus comes because he has remembered us. And Johan, John, God has shown mercy. Jesus comes because he sees our need and is taking action to save us. The reason for his visitation is written into the names. So I want to ask this question. How might your name be written into the story of Christmas? Make no mistake about it. Jesus wants to write your name into his story. Because you're the reason he wrote it in the first place. Maybe you're here today, and you've never made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you've never given a decision to to hand your life over to God, and, and there is something stirring in your heart this morning. And the stirring, I want you to know, is Jesus' invitation to be part of a much bigger story than you're living currently. A better story, a greater story, because it's His story. The story of a faithful and merciful God who has gone to great lengths to make way for your forgiveness from sin and to heal the hurts of your life. The question is, will you receive His invitation? Will we receive his invitation? I was driving to work this week and and listening to the radio, and, and when I was listening, the DJ on the radio said this. He said, we all know that Christmas is truly about giving. And you know what? He's right, of course. Christmas is about giving because God has given us his son. But I want to suggest to you this morning that the greatest thing that you can do to make ready for Christmas isn't to give something. Rather, the greatest thing that you can do to make ready for Christmas is to receive. To receive Jesus. To receive Him as the Lord and leader of your life. To commit or recommit your life to Him. That's how we make ready for Christmas. Because that's why he came. Will you let him write your name into his story? Let's pray. Jesus, I want to take a moment for, for anyone who is in this room today that has never made a decision to hand their life over to you. This is you in the room. I just invite you to receive Jesus' invitation to be part of his story. And to receive that invitation is is simply saying, Jesus, I, I need what you have. And I give you my brokenness. I give you my sin. I give you all of my hurts, and I ask you to do what only you can do. Save me. Love me. Make me yours. And Jesus, all of us, we take up that posture that we want to receive the greatest gift that the world has ever seen. And it's you come to us in the person of Jesus. And so we receive you afresh and we pray, Lord, that your faithfulness will lead us and that your mercy will minister to us. We won't miss Christmas because we won't miss you. And we pray these things with grateful hearts and we pray them in your name.